Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the DNBR Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of DNBR, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. And welcome to episode 61 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com podcast network. Make sure you go to the DNVR.com, check out all the great content. Uh, I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as usual. Uh, this is McChesney Unchained, and we are about to rock the fucking house. Uh, the disclaimer's real. This is a rated R show, so if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Um, I'd imagine there's a lot of people that like the honesty and the you know, the, the fact that we're not afraid to say what's on our mind and what we really mean. So, like I said, I am your host, Matt McChesney. This is episode 61, and we are rolling. All right, so right off the bat, I want everybody to go check out 60strength.com, S-I-X-Z-E-R-O strength.com. It's the website for the facility. This place is truly the bridge. Uh, we just had another guy commit to his dream school, Big Kai uh, Anderson down in uh, Lewis Palmer, big 6'8", 300-pound tackle. Committed to the University of Oregon, so hats off to Kai. That's a huge get for Mario Cristobal and that staff up there uh, at Oregon. So that's nine that have now committed early for the 2019 class from uh, Aiden uh, Kiyakanakea or Akia Aina. God, I can never pronounce Alphabet's name, but my man Aiden's going to Notre Dame. Reese Atterbury's going to Michigan. Max Marsh is going to Kansas State. Uh, my man Cole Taylor, congratulations to the 15-0 LSU Tigers. We'll talk about that in a little while. Going to LSU. Uh, Chase Lopez, the outstanding DB from Pomona, going to South Dakota. Oh, man, who am I forgetting? And now Kai going to Oregon. Cam Smith going to Wyoming. Brian Crespo going to Colorado State. So the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and, of course, my man Carson Lee that's going up to bleed the black and gold up in Boulder. He's already early enrolled, and he's going to be a foundation player up there for Coach Cap and the Buffs. So, as I said, this place is the Bridge 6-0 Strength, and we are sitting in 6-0 Studios here at the Dungeon 6-0 Strength and Fitness. So go check it out, 6-0strength.com. Uh, we're rebranding this place to the 6-0 Football Academy. Uh, it's already happening, so just hold on to your ass. All right, so the uh, the 6-0 Quick Step brought to you by our our uh, our facility here, 6-0 Strength and Fitness, 6-0strength.com. The quick step starts with the Astros, okay? And I'm not going to spend a whole time, a whole lot of time on baseball because, <laughs> I mean, until the the NL and ALCS roll around or unless the Rockies are doing really well, I could give a shit. Uh, I'm an A's fan when it comes down to it, and that makes it hard to care because, yeah, they're talented, but they're never going to win anything because they can't buy a title. Um, now, that said... The Astros did something totally different. They cheated their way to a title. And I don't think they should relinquish the ring because that sound that everyone knows who won the, the title. But everybody getting fired is not surprising. And 
the GM getting fired after your suspension and the manager getting fired, that's not surprising. And I just, I'm not saying that, look, this is how I look at this. Baseball to me is like an art form, okay? It, I take it, I don't really care that they're cheating from a steroid perspective because I, I think that there were a lot more people doing it than got caught. This is different than steroids. This is different than human growth hormone trying to get healthy or gain a competitive advantage. This is outright, downright fucking cheating. And honestly, they should just like suspend the franchise for a year, in my opinion. That would be a real, a real punishment. So I don't really care about baseball, but I, you know, you can't disregard blatant cheating like that. So Astros, go away. Maybe they should change their name to the assholes. Uh, all right, so uh, c congratulations to Bill Cowher for getting in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Jimmy Johnson for getting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's pretty cool that they did it on national TV. Not sure why Mike Shanahan isn't getting the nod. I mean, I, I, it'll happen eventually, I'm sure, but how long does Mike have to wait? Uh, if he's got two rings and Cowher has one, then, hmm, weird. I, there, there's such a bias to the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Giants. I mean, those guys, they they the Colts, you can get into the Hall if you play for a season. I mean, until John Elway, the Broncos had one guy in the goddamn Hall of Fame. Since then, they've had six. But still, that doesn't mean that, that there hasn't been guys that have been worthy. Speaking of worthy, Randy Gratishar. Now, he's not going to get in this year from what I heard. And that is a goddamn travesty. He's a six-time All-Pro. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler or something like that. I mean, he was consistently the, the Broncos' best defensive player for years and years and years and years. And for that man not to be in the Hall of Fame, being as good as he was at Ohio State and a great pro for as long as he was, I'm starting to question the validity of the goddamn Hall of Fame. Why is it they only can get six guys in? If Steve Atwater doesn't get in this year, I, man, you, you can't keep putting safeties in over Steve and then talk about Steve like he's one of the best. I know that. He's one of the nicest men ever. But on top of that, he, he's not called the smiling assassin for nothing because he'll be nice to you. He'll ask how your mama is, and then he'll rip your fucking heart out and show it to you on the field. I thought that's what everybody wanted in the Hall of Fame. Looking at numbers, just looking at Atwater and Gratishar alone, if you put their numbers up against guys who are already in the Hall of Fame, it's better than a lot of them. I mean, if Palomalu gets in first ballot... Steve Atwater was Troy Polamalu before Tri Troy Polamalu. Yeah, Troy can run a little bit better than Steve, but Steve invented knockout hitting. The only reason that Ed Reed, and remember what Ed said last year, I can't get in before Steve, but then, of course, he took the nod. I mean, he's not going to say no. So the, the Hall of Fame's got to figure this out, man. Keeping guys like Randy Gratishar and Steve Atwater out of the Hall of Fame is a goddamn travesty. Okay, stepping into this, um, the National Football League, some would call this a problem. I just think it's what football is. Luke Keekley decides to walk away after eight years. Okay, I, I retired in the NFL after six. Now, I was not a first-rounder. I had a ton of injuries. I've had six left ankle reconstructions and screws and plates. I've had two right. I have a five-level cage fusion in my back, multiple concussions. You know, tons of neurological problems, tons of memory problems, CTE issues, and the NFL still declined my concussion lawsuit. They, they don't give a shit about the players. So I, hats off to Luke Keekley. You got a first rounder, you made your money, you're probably a Hall of Fame player. Two or three more years, and you definitely would have been, because that's the way these idiots think. But he should probably get into the Hall of Fame. He's a hell of a football player. He never won a championship, but who cares? He's a linebacker. So Keekley, you know, he, he joins a list. Patrick Willis retired early. Calvin Johnson retired early. Barry Sanders retired early. Andrew Luck just retired early. So 
I don't think that the NFL necessarily has a, necessarily has a problem, but when the stars don't want to play anymore, when the risk outweighs the monetary fund, the the responsibility of making money as an athlete, when the risk outweighs the athlete, the athlete's risk, I don't know how your game is going to survive. I mean, LeBron James is going to be able to play till he's 40-plus and walk away with some sore knees. But his brain's going to be fine. He's not going to have any spine issues. I mean, Larry Bird had spine issues, but that's just because of degenerative spine issues. Not everybody walks away from basketball to crippled. Yeah, you have knee issues and back issues, some, and some hips. But you're not walking away brain dead when not being able to move. Football isn't a sport. It's combat. And yeah, they're trying to make it nicer, and they're trying to make it more watchable i think it's less watchable because the penalties they're calling aren't keeping guys safe it's fucking up the game guys are still getting hurt i know concussions are down because they're not letting you destroy people over the middle anymore but concussions are at the same rate for the front seven players they could give a shit if a guard runs nine yards full speed into an outside linebacker on a pull step but if a safety hits a crossing receiver it's the end of the fucking world so the hypocrisy no knows knows no bounds and look, if the NFL is going to to die on this hill, and that's what I mean by this hill, the no lifetime health care, the not taking care of guys post-career, the, you know, the, the we want in the last CBA when they came back and they were like, we want to save the franchises more money on rookie deals. That looks like a shit fucking proposition now. Rookies should be getting as much money as they as they can fucking pile in at this point because there's no guaranteed money. I mean, I was for the, the no bonus babies, but now, as an ex-player watching all these guys now go into the system again, I can't believe that I ever got with the owners. I Like, I'm ashamed of myself for ever saying, oh, yeah, I'm glad there's no more bonus babies. Fuck that. These guys can pay so much money out the ass. They've got more money than Croesus, and they can pay. They are tax exempt. These motherfuckers can break you off if they want you to have some bread. Period. So, personally, I think that the National Football League should stop playing. I think college football should stop playing. Especially because Odell Beckham Jr. is getting shit now for handing a guy who's about to be a first-round draft pick a wad of 500 bucks after the game. Who gives a shit? It's not fake money either, idiots. Odell Beckham doesn't walk around with fake money. LSU can fucking throw that at you as much as they want. It's a lie. Football has become like this endangered servitude shit. Yeah, great. Free school. You can be a good student and go to school for free. You can get academic scholarships. I'm, I'm done with the, oh, well, you go to school for free, so that counts. That's horseshit. The amount of money being brought in by the football programs at major universities outweighs the bill for fucking chemistry class a thousand to one. I will gladly pay for my classes if it means I get a fair share of what we earn. And the National Football League, I mean, the last time we had the opportunity, and I say we because I'm part of the players' union, I'm part of that fucking union, even though the NFL doesn't seem to give a shit, I am part of the union. The last time that these guys went to the negotiating table with the owners, they sent Drew Brees and Ray Lewis and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady the upper 1%. It's like sending a bunch of one percenters in the country to work on a fucking plan to fix the tax system and figure out a way to get people that don't have any money money. They aren't going to just like open up their checkbooks and share. As long as the upper one to five percent in the NFL is happy, everybody else just has to get in where they fit in and eat shit. But the league can't go anywhere without the other 95%. That's what people need to understand.
This league is built on guys that are undrafted and underpaid and undervalued. How many times do you talk about busts that can never play that were picked too high and paid too much? But were they really paid that much or were they just taxed? That's the way I'm starting to think. I don't think football players were paid too much when they were picked. I don't think Kajana Carter was paid too much. I think he's taxed and his, his, his ticket was up. And it was time for him to get hurt. I don't think Robert Gallery was a bust. I think he was taxed. I think he was probably mentally and emotionally and physically worn out. He just happened to stay in the NFL for a while. There's a lot of guys that are drafted high or, or drafted in a, in a spot where people think they're a bust. And they're not busts. They play for a long time because John Carter's not a bust. He got hurt. If he's a bust, I'm a bust. And I was undrafted and I got hurt. So there's a, you know, the folks that sit around and point the finger like Luke Keekley's soft. I've seen that a couple of times. What are you talking about? Luke Keekley will fuck your little ass up. There ain't a soft guy in the room, boys. There's not a soft guy in the room. The softest guy on the team, there ain't a soft guy on the in the room. So calling a pro football player that's walking away from a game he loves to somehow retain some of the mental capacity and physical capacity he's going to have later in life because he's retiring at 30. I retired at 29. It's really hard. It's hard to walk away from something you've been doing your whole life because your body won't let you do it anymore. Or you make a choice where you're financially set enough and you took care of your chicken, as Marshawn Lynch said, which he made some good points. He maybe didn't articulate it to the best to all you fucking white boys out there who, who, who don't understand, but I understood what he was talking about. I understood it just fine. So, you know, Marshawn's got a point. People have got a point. You can only do this for so long as a combat sport, not contact. You're going to get hurt. It's 100% injury rate. You better take care of your fucking chicken, like Marshawn said. Man, I'll tell you. So hats off to Luke Keekley and everybody else that re retired early. Good for you. Um, right now on ESPN, Alex Cora is now out as the Red Sox manager <laughs> for sign stealing. These guys are up here looking like just a bunch of just assholes for hiring this guy is pretty funny <laughs> but he already won a he already won a world series so they're not going to take that away from him i wonder if the red sox cheated too oh baseball how i loathe you so look coming back to the nfl here you've got to figure out a way if you want your stars to stay in this league if you want your stars to look at this and go i really would like to have another check you've got to figure out a way to make them comfortable with retiring. Keekley's not comfortable with retiring. Patrick Willis wasn't comfortable retiring. Andrew Luck's not comfortable retiring. They're doing it because they know if they keep playing, after five years, you're going to cut their health benefit. And they're going to be fucked up. And they're going to need to go get help. And you're not going to help them. And the NFL can send me as many pamphlets that they as they want on you know, how to get help. It, it is such a fucking runaround trying to get anybody from that league to help anybody that's not in the league. It's the same thing with the marijuana stuff. I heard somebody say in a, in a state where weed's not legal yet, yet, it's a moral problem. You're just a fucking moron. The same person is advocating that, a, that a, on the news that, that they would hire somebody that had a drinking problem to get them help but if somebody tested positive for marijuana, they would have a moral issue hiring that person. I have a moral issue listening to your stupidity, you fucking moron. There is nothing more poisonous on this, earth, on this earth than alcohol. Weed is medicine if done correctly. Everything's a drug if done incorrectly. 
the NFL consistently makes it. I was on the program. They told me I could drink as much as they wanted to, but if I got caught smoking, ah, ah, ah. Every bad mistake I've ever made has had alcohol involved, and that pretty much goes for everybody. They ask them, oh, you got a DUI? I wonder why. Oh, you got in a bar fight? I wonder why. Oh, you got in some, you got in a trouble sticking your dick in a blender when she said no? Oh, were you drunk? Oh, I wonder why. I mean, it, eliminate the alcohol from your life. Go home and smoke a blunt and pass the fuck out and let your body recover. And I guarantee you, you feel better in the morning. I'm not advocating smoking weed, idiots. I just said it was medicine. I'm sure someone's going to take it the wrong way. I'm saying if you're of age and you you can use it, I'd much rather have a bunch of people at home eating pizza, giggling, than out drunk driving and bar fighting and fucking thinking that no means yes. That's all I'm saying. So, again, get pissed off all you want. There's a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Get fucked. This is McChesney Unchained, episode 61 on thednbr.com network. Go go check out everything at thednbr.com. I got to say real quick, I'm pretty excited about Altitude Sports Radio. I'm going to be doing a lot of work for them over there this offseason and moving into next year uh, with Dover and Hastings and Ryan Harris and Dave T and all those guys over there. Hats off. I'm pretty excited to join the team. Um, so you'll, you can catch me there at least once or twice a week. I'll be on Friday and Monday uh, coming up, so check that out. All right, moving on. Uh, the division round, all right? Um, San Francisco's defense mops up Minnesota. Green Bay holds off Seattle. It's going to be Green Bay going to San Francisco for the NFC title game. Um, hats off to Ben Garland, starting center for the Niners. Man, you are playing your balls off right now. It is awesome to see. Guy I've been working with for years upon years. And then hats off to Billy Turner, uh, the guard for the Packers, who's been playing his ass off as well and really solidified that offensive line and playing really well. Um, I'm excited to watch these two battle it out against two really good fronts. Um, The San Francisco 49ers have an unbelievable defensive front seven. Green Bay's got two of the best outside pass rushers uh, in the Smith brothers that that I've seen in a long time. And Kenny Clark, their three technique 97 is all man. So... And Martinez, number 50, led the league in tackles, if I remember correctly. So I think that that is going to be a very good game. And I'm going to say this. Aaron Rodgers, when he was drafted, they asked him, front, do you, what, what is your message to San Francisco? Do, are you, do you feel bad that they didn't draft you with the first pick? Remember, they went with Alex Smith and Aaron fell to like 20 or something to the Green Bay. And he said, verbatim, I'm there. I don't feel as bad as they're going to feel for not drafting me. And I guarantee you San Francisco feels shitty, but they don't feel shitty right now. They could have had this guy this whole time. And, you know, the fact that they're playing this weekend is the way football works. I tell my guys all the time, you know, if you if you lose to somebody, you're going to get another shot. It's the way football works. If you get under-recruited by a coach and you don't think that they're paying you their respect you're worth, well, you're probably going to end up playing that guy at some point in your life. That's the way it works. That's football always come full circle because of the, you know, the the coaching carousel and everything else and how many how much people switch teams. So, same thing here. You know, Aaron Rodgers now has a legitimate shot to ruin San Francisco's weekend. San Francisco has a great shot to win a Super Bowl. I mean, they are rolling right now. 4 and 12 last year. They're they're 13 and 3 this year. They got the great defense. John Lynch has turned them into a contender quick. Uh, they did a really good job of going out and getting good free agents, i.e. Ben Garland. That guy was stepped straight in with Richburg, got hurt, and he's been a, a rock. I guarantee you he'll be back as their starter next year. And if he's not, 
Denver, go get him back if you're not going to bring back Connor. So, you know, it, it's San Francisco did it right. Green Bay did it right. They went out got a young coach that they believe in. They're riding with him. They got a veteran defensive coordinator and roll. Aaron Rodgers is fitting in. Running game's good. Defense is playing well. They're pressuring the quarterback. We'll see. I picked Green Bay at the beginning of the playoff run. I'm sticking with them. In the AFC side, Tennessee goes and beats up Baltimore. And I'm not just saying beat them. They beat them up. Lamar Jackson had 500 total yards but three turnovers. And that's what the name of the game is in the playoffs. Don't turn the fucking ball over. I'm not going to jump on this bandwagon where Lamar Jackson is somehow, you know, less of a quarterback or less of a prospect, or now he's not going to pan out because he had a bad playoff game. You understand how many quarterbacks I've seen have bad playoff games? John Elway had a bad playoff career for years, couldn't win shit, and we rode with him. If Baltimore doesn't ride with Lamar Jackson, somebody else will. And I think that the NFL has to understand, and the fans have to understand that, the pocket quarterback is dead. If you can't, even when it was the pocket quarterback, you can't tell me that John Elway wasn't uh, elusive in the pocket. Dan Marino, for as slow as he was, had some of the best feet I've ever seen in the pocket, constantly evading pressure, moving right and left, stepping up in the pocket and delivering the football. Jim Kelly was electric in the pocket. Troy Aikman was good in the pocket. Steve Young invented pocket presence. Montana was versatile and can move. His most famous throw ever is on the run to the right, evading a 6'11 guy named fucking Too Tall. So, you know, it, it's this like, oh, well, the versatile quarterback is now in play, and how are we going to, how is the NFL going to adapt? It's It happens naturally. It's already happened. Cam Newton's been in the league for almost 10 years. It's already happened. Mahomes and, and, and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are finally NFL franchises having enough balls to go out and draft African-American quarterbacks high and ride with them and not pull them out the first time they get an opportunity to or stick them at fucking receiver like they did with Cordell Stewart, like Bill Polian's dumbass wanted to do with Lamar Jackson. Look, it's going to be hard to convince me that people that were born before the civil rights era even began in the 60s are going to be able to just inherently give everybody an equal shot. It's, it's going to be hard for me to, for you to convince me of that, okay? And there's a lot of old motherfuckers in, in the NFL and in college football in, in the athletic departments, a lot of old-ass white dudes who like it a certain way, who play the politically correct game and say the right thing even if they do feel a certain way. And I'm not saying anyone in particular feels a certain way. It's a fucking guess on my end, but it's a good one. It's a good fucking guess. I have eyeballs. I have one eyeball, but it works well, I can see. And when Eric Bieniemy can't get a job and, you know, guys can't find opportunity to excel and they're men of color, the fact that they even have to have a fucking rule called the Rooney Rule to get guys of uh, or men of color an, an equal opportunity with white guys is ridiculous. Do I think that you need to be good at your at your job to get an opportunity? Yeah. But you're not getting interviewed for NFL jobs if you're not good. What kind of stupid fucking sentiment is that? They, for people to come out and be like, oh, well, maybe some of the African-American coaches just aren't as good as the... What? The fuck? Right. Like, the, like they're not as good on the field either. Dude, shut the fuck up with this. It, the, the minimalization of African-Americans in this country, coming from a white guy, super cracker over here, okay? The minimization of, of, of success, of constantly saying that if, if he's a great quarterback, 
he's an athlete first rather than a thinker if he's a black guy. But if he's a white guy, he's a thinker that just happens to be athletic. I don't get it. I don't understand how it's still happening. I don't understand how Eric Bieniemy doesn't even get legitimate head coaching consideration, especially with a team like the Cleveland Browns. You go and hire Kevin Skopansky, and I'm not saying he's bad for the job. He could be great. Fuck if I know. But I know one thing. I've wa- I watched Eric Bieniemy learn under Andy Reid how to manage egos on the Chiefs offense, and they got a fucking ton of them. From LaShawn McCoy, who I haven't heard a word out of since he went there, to Sammy fucking Watkins, to Patrick Mahomes, to everyone, to Eric Fisher, I mean, they got dudes everywhere, to Travis Kelsey, who might be the biggest prima donna in the world, and he plays hard as fuck. Eric, I played for Eric Bieniemy at CU, and even though he wasn't my position coach, that man challenged me on a daily basis. He used to walk up to me and be like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Even after we beat UCLA when he went to UCLA in 03, and they came into Folsom, and we beat him, and I had a hell of a game. After the game, I walked up to him and gave him a big hug, and he said, now nah, I bet you can't repeat that success next week. He's constantly challenging guys to be better. It's exactly what Cleveland needs. Cleveland has a bunch of fucking prima donnas on their team that are only playing hard if the ball's coming to them. And Freddie Kitchens couldn't figure out how to do it. Freddie Kitchens was the, in this mindset, this is Freddie's mindset. Uh, You're all grown men. We all just need to do our jobs because I heard Bilicek say that shit once and, uh, and then, you know, I trust you to do what you're supposed to do, and we need to go out there on Sunday and perform. And I guarantee you they let little shit slide. The The ability to harp and run and grind on a great athlete and have them respond means they're mature and they like football, number one, and it means you're a good coach. Because guys that are different coaches with different guys, for example, if I was a totally different coach with one kid than I was with another, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on, but I have to treat Aiden and Reese and Kai and Cole and Max and Salsa and Drake and Bear and all these D1 players that have walked out of the room. Padilla, Pell, God, the fucking list goes on and on and on. All these dudes that are out there in the world, okay? I have to treat those dudes, the guys that, that are the bad motherfuckers in the room, I have to treat them the same or harder. I have to be harder on them. Then I do the guy in the room who's trying to figure out that just got there. Because if the guy in the room that just got there figures out that I play favorites, he'll know he can become one of the favorites and doesn't have to walk the line. And I need the guys in the room who are the best to walk the line the most. That's how you become a good player. That's the that's the secret of the Patriots. Tom Brady is the hardest working son of a bitch in the room. And he doesn't think he's any good because Belichick consistently is telling him he sucks. And that's what's motivating him. you got to find a way to motivate guys differently, but shit. For EB not to get a job, it's it's just, it makes me so fucking angry. Eric Bieniemy, for look, we'll say this. If we have a bad year in Denver next year, and Fangio gets fired, I'm going to ring the fucking bell so loud for Eric Bieniemy, it's not even a, a joke. I, it's going to be the loudest bell you've ever heard rung. And I don't know if I believe in Fangio yet. Yeah, we're 7-9, and nine, that's great. And, you know, I guess we'll talk about this now, but we'll see. We'll, I guess we'll see. We'll figure out the Broncos here in a second. I, the Chiefs and the, and the Titans play this weekend in Arrowhead. Kansas City lost the AFC title game this year. I, Tennessee's on a roll. I like what Tannehill's doing. I think they'll re-sign him. Derrick Henry's an all-man. Yes, that's true. Uh, their offensive line is destroying people, but I'm going to have a hard time picking Tennessee this weekend. I want them to win. I would love Tennessee to win this football game just to rub it in Kansas City's face. I love it when six seeds go to the Super Bowl. 
And they have all the ingredients. The The last time I've watched Six Seeds win, it was with a big-ass Brandon Jacobs tailback with the with the Giants, and they just started rolling people and won three playoff games in the in the uh, in the NFC on the road and went to the Super Bowl and beat a, a, a Patriot team that was highly favored. So I think that the Titans have everything that they're looking for for an upset. And do I think they're going to do it? No, not really, but I'd like to see it. I picked Kansas City and Green Bay for the Super Bowl, and it's looking like that might happen. Of course, we could get Tennessee-San Francisco. One never knows. So as we move forward here, okay, the Broncos. We'll go straight back into this. I don't know if I agree with the firings. Well, T.C. McCartney, I don't really care. He's the quarterback coach. He's just a yes man. Every assistant coach in the NFL is a yes man. Firing Skaggs to bring in Schumer. I'm not against Schumer. I'm not saying that he's a bad hire. He's a very experienced quarterback coach. Why couldn't they demote Skaggs to, court, to quarterback coach and then bring Schumer in as the OC just to teach him instead of fire him to keep some of his concepts because I love his concepts. I do not, I don't understand why we just went and hired somebody and then outfitted their hired somebody and then outfitted their offense outfitted their offense. Okay. Outfitted their offense with fullbacks and blocking tight ends and all that shit and then fire his ass a week later, or, or a season later, fire him a season later, and bring in a guy who's notorious for running three wide, no fullback, and vertical routes. So, if they're going to use if they're going to use Phil Lindsay like they use Saquon Barkley, okay, cool, I'm with that. I'm not against it, but I just don't understand why we're so antsy to fire everybody man and i know i'm sitting here saying if fangio doesn't have a winning season next year he needs to get canned but that's a head coach that's not a coordinator this is five coordinators in five years and it's not a good look that's all i'm saying and when drew Locke has spent all this time learning the system and reisner spent all this time learning the system mcgovern spent all this time teaching everybody the system up front and Bowles has kind of figured it out and Fant figured it out, and this team took off in the second half of the season offensively. I'm watching a team that they shut out at home play for the AFC title game. I don't think Denver's as far as way as far away as people think. I don't. But this doesn't. I don't know if this helps them necessarily. I, I'm very eager to see what they do. Are they going to put it all in Drew Locke's lap and say we need you to throw for 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns and be Pat Mahomes or are we going to support him and have him throw up a 3,500 yards and run for another 2,000 and be the Ravens and, and play good defense because it's allowed because we control the time of possession. That's why Baltimore's defense was so good. You saw what happened when Tennessee didn't give them the ball. They just ran the ball down their fucking throat. So I know that, you know, there's a lot of opinions here, but I'm right. So deal with it. I'd like to think that the Broncos personnel can pull them out of any hole. I'm going to say this again. With the amount of money they have under the cap, if they don't bring back Connor McGovern, I'm going to be one really, really angry coach. I've been working with Connor for a long ass time, dude. And essentially, if they don't bring back Connor, I am just, I don't even know what to say. Like, you're essentially 
saying that you're going to give up another guy you developed into a great pro. You you develop Paradis into a great pro. You grow up. You develop Ben Garland into a great pro. You develop Billy Turner into a great pro. Michael Schofield has been a consistent starter and a great pro for the Chargers after his early struggles. He's a good player. Ty Sambrello has been on the roster and been a good player for the Falcons. I just I'm tired of watching guys come into Denver, cut their teeth, struggle. We cut them or trade them, and then they go somewhere and they figured it out. Let them figure it out here and re-sign them and bring them back. It's one of the reasons why they don't have any depth on the offensive line. You can't just walk in and say, hey, we're just going to replace everybody. It doesn't work like that. There's not a fucking chance in hell that anybody in the NFL draft this year is as good of a player at the center position mentally and physically than a five- or six-year vet Connor McGovern. Not a chance in hell. So, they need to resign that guy, to say the least. It looks like Simmons is going to get the franchise tag, and that's good. you got to keep him around, but I'd much rather them... Uh, I'd much rather them just re-sign him to a long-term deal because he's a cornerstone of this football team. Uh, that said... We'll see what happens there. Uh, McGovern and Sims are really the guys that I want them to re-sign first. But then I will say this. Phil Lindsay needs to hold out. Phil Lindsay needs to throw his feet up, and I know it's not the kind of guy he is, and hopefully they just don't have to push him to this point so the Broncos should just pay him. But just keep this guy in Denver. Don't piss him off to the point where he wants to leave because you won't pay him. I mean, at some point, the Broncos have to understand that in, a, in this business environment where the players know you don't care, the more you can tell them that you do and the more you can show them that you do by monetarily compensating them, the better. Because all this family talk in the NFL kind of makes me sick. I hate it. When you talk to me about family I or or you start preaching at me because I'm a godless heathen atheist, I, I got no time for it. This isn't family. This is business. Families don't kick each other out of the, out of the building every five seconds, okay? The college football environment is pretty much family. You're there with the same guys. You got to win together. That's all you get. You can't go to the fucking waiver wire until the transfer portal opens. But the NFL, I hate that they use the word family as much as they do. It just doesn't. And I don't like that they involve the big man as much as they do either. And even though, even if I don't want to get involved with that, it doesn't make me a bad guy. I'm an American. I can say whatever the fuck I want to. Just like you have the right to preach at me all you want to. Okay, so I guess we'll see there. I'm picking Kansas City Green Bay for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait till the games this weekend. Um, I guess I'll go with Green Bay to win the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers gets a second, and Billy Turner gets a ring, and it's a big fucking party. Okay, uh, moving on. College football national championship the other night. Hell of a game. Okay, good game, competitive. Um, I thought that the way Clemson came out in the second half and responded right off the bat, went down, scored, and went for two and got it. I thought that they were going to be able to roll and, and score some more touchdowns and get back into it. But then, you know, the LSU played some defense. They were really good on third down in the second half. They pressured the shit out of Lawrence. And you saw that the Ross and Higgins, the two receivers for Clemson, the two first-round prototype receivers, we're having a really, really hard time getting separation the way that Chase and the other cat for LSU were. And those two were eating. Those two were eating. And Venables kind of got exposed a little bit, but he had to sell out in the second half to, to go try and get the football. Giving up 42 points is not very Clemson-like. But 
they're doing they're giving up the points because they have to. They got to go get the ball. They got to make some plays. And when you have to make plays, you've got to take some chances. I I love the game. I thought it was awesome. Joe Burrow, you know, five thousand some odd yards passing, sixty touchdowns, eleven touchdowns alone in the goddamn playoff games. In two playoff games, he threw eleven touchdowns. What? This guy has been in in incredible since he started the season. He's going to be the first picks of Cincinnati. Sucks he's going to Cincinnati, but maybe somebody can trade up and, and draft him. Maybe the Redskins will move up or somebody will move up and take Joe Burrow. I don't know why Cincinnati would give up that pick unless they want a pass rusher and Chase Young. Um, you know, that's all. I heard a lot of comparison to Trevor Lawrence and, and Joe Burrow, and is Lawrence really as good as we think he is? It was the first time Trevor Lawrence has lost in college. I mean, yeah, he's fucking good. I mean, the guy's a stud. So I think that I think that Trevor Lawrence will be the first pick in the draft next year unless something crazy happens. He's probably going to be the front runner for the Heisman. And unless something crazy happens in the ACC, I'd imagine Clemson is going to be right there again if they're undefeated in the playoff because they're going to be really good. Now, they lose a couple of good offensive players. They lose some good offensive linemen. Uh, Tremaine Arch, Archman is going to be junior, 73, their right tackle, is a hell of a college football player, a two-time national champion. Uh, hats off to Tree and his family for all they accomplished down there. I know he's going to have a great combine pro day season. I'm looking forward to seeing when he gets out here in Denver. I just think college football is so beautiful at times. It covers up all the the open sores and, and scabs because they're everywhere. I mean... All those kids the other night should be getting broke off. Odell Beckham shouldn't have to be paying somebody $500 after the game. And who cares if he did? Who gives a fuck? That kid's going to the league. I mean, I know the NCAA is going to get all pissed off at him. But, I mean, the NCAA has some fucking nerve. Has some nerve. These rules that they're instituting are just... The hypocrisy knows no limits. None. And the, the kids deserve better. They deserve to get their piece of the pie. Essentially telling a football player of all sports, a football player, that their earning potential is cut half of their career. You play five years in college, and I played I played five and a half, six years in the NFL. That's half of my NFL career. Luke Keekley played five years at, at Boston College and eight years in the NFL. That's half of his football career. Shit. This guy deserves to get paid. Even if, if, if it's not a, a lot, it should be equal. I cannot believe that the United States of America allows this to happen. We're in a capitalistic country. This this game is all about making money. Every single coach in college is trying to get as much money as humanly possible. But the players can't get shit? I just don't understand it. And honestly, the coaches, like, at some point, don't you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I am really taking advantage of these kids. My, my fucking salary is six figures plus and I'm getting broke off and I love my life and this kid over here is getting shit on because he potentially took $500 from a pro receiver or some kid took immiscible benefits for a meal or somebody chased young flu's girlfriend out to a game and got suspended it's fucking bullshit it is bullshit and it's gotta stop I don't know how it stops but the NCAA and and college football I just wish the players would stop playing for a week. Can you imagine if opening weekend of next year, everybody just sat down and didn't play? You know how much money the 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 uh, television companies and all the all the broadcast units would lose? They would lose money hand over fist. 
you'd have the the advertisers breathing down their necks so hard it, it it wouldn't even be funny. And then I guarantee you they'd be at the negotiating table. There needs to be a college football players union. Terribly, there needs to be real, real, real representation for college football players, not just agents purging on them when they're seniors and juniors and draft eligible. Again, the superstars are not what run college football. The guys that run college football are the guys that never play in the league. The guys that love football because they're going to play, they should be getting paid too. Period. A guy, look, I'll use a guy named Jesse Wallace as an example. Jesse's uncle was a pro personnel director, if I don't, if I remember correctly, or something like that in the league for a long time. Really good dude, all right? Jesse is one of my best friends. He was a great blocking and receiving tight end. Unbelievable point of attack blocker for CU. He's from Raytown. Not really from Raytown. He's from Kansas City. We call him Raytown Jesse, all right? He's from Raytown, and, <laughs> sorry, Wallace, and this is, he's one of the toughest sons of bitches I've ever seen in my life play football. I walked into the Nebraska game in 04 where in Lincoln, and what what is this guy doing to play? He's laying on the table, and Steve Willard's got a fucking massive needle on the side of his knee, and he's pulling like red and green and yellow nastiness out of Jesse's fucking kneecap so Jesse can go help his team win. And Wallace went out there and balled his ass off, one of the best blocks in CU history for 35 yards on Barrett Road, one of the best linebackers in Nebraska history. Letting Bobby bust it 45 yards right up the right hash off our goal line. We end up scoring on that drive, putting Nebraska away at home. And Jesse never played again. He didn't play in the Big 12 title game, if I remember correctly. He didn't play in the in the bowl game that we won. And he didn't get a shot in the lead because his knee is bone on bone. And I know it hurts him every day now. He, he can't go back to see you and get help and fixed. They won't even talk to him. So... There's got to be some kind of, I said this earlier, like people that have a moral issue with marijuana, but they're okay with drunks and people just hammering whiskey all the time. What is, what would be the moral issue here? Working for free? What is that called? I just feel like there's too much money out there to convince me that college athletes couldn't be paid. I mean, give me a fucking break. It's, I can't believe people go for this still. Oh, we can't figure out how to way to, a way to pay college athletes to make it fair. Are you kidding me? All you smart motherfuckers can't figure out a way to make this work? Oh, we can't figure out a way to have a really legitimate competitive playoff. You can't figure that out, huh? huh? Or maybe the advertisers just don't want it. Or you guys are too cowardly to go out and get it. You hold the hammer, football. When are you going to swing that shit? <sighs> Ridiculous. Okay. Now, lastly, okay, we'll talk about the NFL draft as we go. It's going to be a hot topic of conversation the entire offseason, see what the Broncos do. They have a ton of picks and a ton of cap space. I'm going to say this lastly, since we're talking about college football, the targeting rule. My man Joel Klatt is all over the NCAA about this, and I totally and unequivocally agree with him. I think it is 100% the worst rule ever, ever instituted in sport. Not the targeting part. Malicious targeting, leading with your head on purpose, trying to hurt someone, you should you should get kicked. But to kick 47 out the other night for simply running full speed and making a tackle is it unbelievably, it, it's just, it makes me sick to my stomach knowing how much work that kid has put in and to like villainize him on TV and then he has to leave the game. 
and he can't help his team. It's not just a 15-yard penalty. It, it's it's not right. The kid isn't doing it on purpose. It, he's playing hard. He plays for Brett Venables. I mean, come on. Ven, Ven's not going to allow that. So you've got to play balls out. I don't know how you deal with that if you're a coach. I don't know how, like, for example, I watched Lambin got kicked out of some game like a year or two ago and for simply tackling somebody. You can't you can't get on guys' ass for simply just tackling someone. Seems pretty ridiculous to me. So, I guess we'll see. This is episode 61 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com podcast network. Uh, remember that I'm going to be on Altitude Sports Radio each and every week moving forward, joining the team over there, but I'm going to keep the podcast going. Uh, the relationship with DNVR will never go anywhere. Uh, you can check me out at Sixer Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Go on and check out what all these young men are doing in the gym and, and how much work we're putting in. Uh, and I look forward to uh, episode 62 after the title games and all that good shit. And, uh, and that's that. So 61's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening, folks. And uh, yeah, rock and roll, baby.